the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, he's worthy to be praised. Thank you for being here tonight. We're so thankful you took the time to come out here and be in the presence of the Lord with us. We're going to have a time of, of devotion, a time of praying together, and it's a time of uniting together and coming to one mind and one accord in the presence of the Lord. If you have tithes and offering, drop up the boxes on your way out here tonight. A couple of things I want us to remember in prayer tonight is I want us to remember to be praying for Dusty Powell and Kathy and their family. Uh, Dusty lost his brother this week. We praying to the Lord to comfort them, minister to them. Also pray for Bob Fisher and uh, for his mother, who's uh, maybe going home to be with the Lord soon. And uh, we need God to minister to that family as well. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory. It's wonderful to be in your presence. My, how you love us, how you restore us. Father, how you bless us, God, each and every day. We're so thankful that, God, each and every day we're on your mind. And, Father, it's our desire, God, to give you the glory and the honor you deserve, Lord, that we do take time out of our day to praise you for their mighty acts, for the mighty things that you do, those things, God, that we take for granted, God. We praise you, Lord, tonight, God. We give you glory and honor. We're praying for those that are sick and afflicted, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. At this time, would you please welcome Sister Louise Marvin. And Bill. I've asked Bill to pray for me. Dear Lord Jesus, we just magnify the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, that we can call upon you. We are reminded, God, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, we have a lot to be joyful about, God, when we understand, God, the eternal life through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray for Louise as she brings forth the message that you've laid upon her heart. God, we praise you and thank you because we know what your word says. Not only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And we ask you to bless our fellowship with one another, but help us to have that fellowship with the precious Holy Spirit. You aren't welcome in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I always feel better when my head prays for me. I always come to this place humbly aware that this is a place to be respected. It's the special place where the man or woman of God speaks the message of God, and I don't take that for granted. And haven't we been hearing wonderful messages from this pulpit? Amen. Oh, glory be to God, and thank you, pastors. And didn't Rhonda do an amazing job last week? Would you give her a hand? I told her she just, whew, she just really blessed me. Well, I want to speak tonight about the hereafter. Now, it reminds me of a birthday card that my sister sent me a few years ago. <laughs> On the front of the card, there was a picture of an elderly woman, and the caption said, As we age, it is natural for us to begin thinking about the hereafter. When you open the card, it showed a picture of the same woman. She was standing in a doorway with a confused look on her face, 
And the caption said, you know, like you, when you walk into a room and you say, now what was I here after? <laughs> Can anybody relate besides me? <laughs> but in all seriousness, tonight I want to speak about the race we are in and the admonition we have to finish our race well. Now maybe it's because Bill and I are very quickly, one of us more quickly than the other, approaching our eighth decade on this earth. And I've been thinking more and more about finishing this race and finishing it well. When I was a teenager, one of my Sunday school teachers reminded our class that the race could be suddenly over for any one of us at any time. After all, none of us are guaranteed the promise of tomorrow. Still, we tend to think more about the finish line as we age, at least I have. Now, I have some ambitions for the finish line. <laughs> I don't want to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> I want to run across, run across that finish line with my arms held high in victory. I want to enter heaven with a loud shout of praise to my king. I want to come before my Lord and I want to fall before his feet in worship. And I want some crowns to cast before him. I want to hear him say the words to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, starting is all impo important when we are talking about being right with God. We, who are God's blood-washed saints, we all had a starting point, a time when we realized we were sinners and we knew we could not please God, we were not pleasing God. Uh, and then we heard the good news of the gospel. We heard that Jesus died in our place, the wages of sinners' death, but the gift of life, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, amen. And so we deserve death because of our sin, but Jesus took our place on the cross. And when we accepted this life gift and put our faith in what he has already done for us, we became one whose sins were forgiven and we were born into the kingdom. And our destination then was heaven. And I'm so grateful, are you? So grateful for what he's done for us. Sadly though, I've seen and heard about some who started well, but unfortunately they did not finish well. They started, but they didn't reach the destination in victory. They moved backward instead of forward and they became what the Bible calls backsliders. In the process, they brought reproach upon the church and dishonor upon our God and his name. And one thing that has always been my prayer throughout my life, Lord, don't let me do or say something that would bring dishonor upon you. That's the way we need to think and pray, isn't it? So I asked myself, how did that happen? How does someone not finish well? And what can I do to make sure I'm not one of those who fall back? What obstructions must I overcome in order to finish well? And how can I set myself up for certain victory? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Now, I was thinking about what it takes to run 
and win a race in the natural. One thing came to my mind was that was the need of a runner to continually hydrate. He or she must drink water or perhaps Gatorade or a similar drink at the beginning of the race. And in the midst of the race, there are refreshment stands, places to rehydrate as the runner passes by on his way to the finish line. And that made me think of the need we have to be hydrated and rehydrated by the presence of our wonderful God. In John chapter 4, we are told the story of the woman at the well. Here is the story of living water offered by Jesus. Jesus says to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, in the seventh chapter, we hear Jesus say, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams, streams, streams of living water will flow from within him. John puts in his comment here saying, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Here is hydration. We must make our way to the spring of living water, and we must drink today, and we must drink tomorrow, and we must drink the next day and every day of our lives if we expect to finish this race in victory. David expressed his need for the hydration that God gives in Psalm 23 when he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, and my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Not only must the serious runner take care to be hydrated, the runner must be nourished well in order to have the energy to finish the race he or she starts. And so must we be nourished. Where do we get our nourishment? <laughs> From the Word of God. In Psalm 19, and I love these words of David concerning the word of God. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, they, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. The longest chapter in the Bible, Psalms 119, extols the value of the word. When I became a Christian, one of the first verses I memorized was Joshua 1.8. I memorized it in the King James Version, so it's a little bit different. But the New Living Version says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So let us be nourished by the word and run on to victory. Amen. 
Now we know that to successfully finish the race we're in, we must be careful to be hydrated by the presence in the Spirit of God. We must spend time with our God in worship and in prayer uh, and develop and keep working on our relationship with Him. And we have to nourish ourselves in the Word. In addition, the serious runner must train and train and train and continue training. <laughs> what is learned from our coach must be put into practice. How do we train? We obey the word. We put the word into practice in our lives. Amen. Paul is mentoring young Timothy when he tells him in 1 Timothy 4, 7, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. A serious runner pays attention to anything that would produce drag on their performance. The clothes, of the, runner, the, clothes the runner wears are aerodynamically designed in a smooth, slick material for a clean run. There are no pockets. And so we must run with nothing to give us the slightest drag. Immediately after Hebrews chapter 11, that chronicles the names and deeds of many who have already finished the race successfully and who were all commended for their faith, comes chapter 12 where Paul says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We can't hope to reach the finish line in victory with sin hanging on to us, can we? Our constant prayer needs to be the prayer that David prayed in Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. And you probably can quote it with me. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The serious runner must focus on the finish line. This means the finish line must become all important to us if we hope to finish victoriously. We have to keep our eyes on the goal if we want to succeed. Isn't this the way we get to success in the natural world? We focus. And so we must focus on the finish line. Looking back is a recipe for sure failure. Looking back is not an option for the child of God. You see, the enemy wants us to look back at our failures. And that way we get our emotions involved. And this can cause us to be depressed. And even, God forbid, some people look back and they give up the race before they reach the finish line Looking back is not an option. What is past must be put under the blood, never to be viewed again. We don't have time to waste looking back. Our focus must always be forward toward the finish line. If we sin, and we will, unfortunately, we must quickly confess our sin and receive the promise of 1 John 1, 9 that says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Remember, no drag, no drag while we're running this race. 
Finally, I want to say something about serving the Lord. How many know we're called to serve the Lord? Amen? Psalms 102. Psalms 100 is my favorite chapter of the Bible. And verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. When I became a Christian, I instinctively understood that my surrender to Christ meant I would serve him. I didn't know much about being called to a certain area. I just knew I wanted to serve God because I was so in love with him. I was so grateful to him for bringing me out of my darkness into his marvelous light. I wanted to do everything I could do to serve my God and my king. When I saw a need that I could meet, something I could do, I just stepped up to fill the need. Now, I've been a Christian for 55 years, all praise and glory to the author and the finisher of my faith. I praise God for that. And I've served the Lord in many different positions. I've worked in the nursery. I've clowned for the evangelism task force, probably more than a decade of that. I've taught Sunday school. I've worked funeral meals. I've led a children's choir. I've taught, I mean, excuse me, I've taught children's church for four and five-year-olds. Uh, many things, many other things, but now I'm leading a, a ladies' prayer group. And one thing I know about serving is that it helps us keep on the right track because it makes us accountable to God and it makes us accountable to one another. And uh, it stretches us, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we are stretched by our serving. We're about to have an explosion of people coming into the palace. This means there are going to be many more opportunities for people to step up and serve. I loved it when Sister Paula last week was honored, or a few weeks ago, I'm sorry, was honored for stepping up to weed our flower gardens that beautify the front and the side of our church. Now, I doubt if Paula heard a voice calling her to become the weeder of the garden as she passed the flower bed and saw the weeds and the grass marring its appearance. She probably just saw the weeds and thought, someone needs to take care of this problem. And then she thought, well, I could do that. And so she continues to minister to this body and to serve her Lord by pulling weeds. <laughs> when I asked her if I could mention her in my talk, she had been just outside pulling weeds and came in with a weed in her hand, which she offered me as an object lesson. I, I hope I gratefully, or gracefully declined that. <laughs> Margie Shipman, our dear, joyful sister Margie, has started what she calls her blessing shed. Now, Margie became aware that the ladies who graduate from Christway Ladies Center, they have to leave the center and they have to go out on their own and establish their own drug-free household. And they leave the shelter with nothing. And so what does Margie do? She, by faith and with the approval and help of her husband, Danny, rents a storage locker and begins to gather up items to bless the new graduates. When one of the ladies graduates from the program, they can go by Margie's blessing shed and choose household goods. <laughs> what a wonderful way to step up and serve the community of faith. Amen. Now, Margie says that God is so faithful to provide what she needs for this ministry. And could I encourage you, if you have household goods and items, good ones, that you no longer need or want, talk to Margie. She can see they get put to good use. Praise the Lord for people who step up 
when they see a need. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this ministry. Now, Bill and I went to Christway uh, Recovery Ministries uh, a week ago. And you're probably aware that this is the ministry started by Dan and Cassie King to support men and women who have had addiction problems and who are wanting freedom. Cassie told me recently they had over 80 people attending on one night. And can I say, many come in, they don't know the Lord. They know they want to be free from their drugs and alcohol or other addictions, but they don't know the Lord sometimes when they come in. But they get the word of God over there in the metro. And many come to the Lord. Many come, and they're really set free then <laughs> because Jesus says he will set us free. Amen. Well, when we walked in over there, we saw two couples who stepped up to help Cassie and Dan, Randy and Sandra Persons and Ricky and Cindy Cochran, and Sean Cochran was also there. Now, Randy comes in, I understand, every Monday night early to make coffee. Sandra brings something sweet to be enjoyed by those who are attending. These couples and Sean encourage the men and women to keep on keeping on. Ricky gave a wonderful Bible lesson. I want to say thank you to those who have stepped up to help Cassie and Dan over in the metro. And you know what? There's more places over there for help. There's more places. So I could go on and on about the saints in this church. I love this church because this is a church of serving people. And often it's behind the scenes and no one knows about it. They're, they're not serving because they want recognition. They're serving because they love the Lord Jesus and they want to serve the Lord and do all they can. To, to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, oh, I'm so grateful for that. So can I encourage you, if you are not serving, look for ways to serve. You know, sometimes people need a hug. Sometimes they just need a word of encouragement, a card. There are many, many ways to serve. If you ask the Lord, he will show you how to serve. Just be aware that there are needs and step up, step up. Let's be the body of Christ that steps up and serves one another in love. And always be aware that we have an enemy. And the enemy's plan, of course, is to steal, kill, and destroy and keep us from reaching our goal of crossing the end, the victory line, in victory. He wants to, to sidetrack us. And so we have to be aware of that. And don't be so proud that you might say, well, huh, I've been a Christian for 55 years. I'll never fall. <laughs> Remember that we are to consider who we are. Remember that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought because that comes pride and pride comes before a fall. And we all need to suit up with the armor of God. Amen. So we can defeat the enemy. So may we keep hydrating ourselves with the presence of Almighty God. May we continue nourishing ourselves with the word. Let us put into practice what we are learning. Let us be obedient to the word. Obedience is better than sacrifice, according to the word. And let us throw away any baggage that's hanging on. We haven't got time for that stuff. We've got a race to run and win. Amen. May God help us to focus on the finish line. And may we each one run to win. Let us finish this race well and thereby bring glory to our awesome God. Amen and amen. Thank you for allowing me to speak today. I appreciate it. And I'm humbled by it.
so we are going to pray now. We have about uh, 25 minutes before we have our time up. And in our prayer group, we have prayer targets. So I just want to name a few, and then I ask you to find a place to prayer to pray. We are praying for baby Juliet to be able to hear completely, to, for God to create new hearing apparatus in her ears. We're praying for that. We're praying for those diagnosed with cancer, Misty Duncan. We have Roxanne Carson. We have Jeff Sluttinger. We have people in this church, and probably you know many, who have cancer and who need deliverance. We're praying for our president and vice president and those in authority because God has told us we're to do that. We're praying for our first responders, our policemen, our firemen, our ambulance drivers, our nurses, and our doctors. We're praying for protection for our children against the lying devilish spirits of the woke agenda. Praying for our teachers and our school administrators. Praying against violence in our schools and praying for our Dr. Dill, who is the superintendent of our local school. We're praying for Roger Hanner and others who are on the school board here in Poplar Bluff. We're praying about the Ukraine situation and the Russian people and the southern border. We're praying for Israel and for the peace of Jerusalem. We're praying about the midterm elections, and we're praying for fair elections. We're praying for revival and awakening in the church here and around the world because we remember what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says. And when we do our part, we're believing God will heal the land. We're praying for the harvest and harvesters to go into the field. We're praying for Christway Ministries and for our pastors and leaders and our elders and our councilmen. So we have a lot of things on our list. That's not the total list. But as you come to pray, would the Lord remind you of those things and put some of those things on your prayer agenda? Would you come now?